little bit awkward. <laughs> um, can I grab somebody? Oh, Nathan, can you bring that over? Thanks, champion. Because I've got books and stuff. Oh, you're wonderful. Thank you. How's everyone doing tonight? Good. That's really awesome. It's so brilliant to see all your smiling faces here tonight. How amazing was the worship tonight? I love good worship. It does something to my spirit. Oh, I'm just going to grab my drink. Okay, so I am going to be sharing a little bit tonight. Um, I woke up this morning at 6 o'clock and the Lord gave me the title for the message. It was really funny. I had it in my notes. 6.18 a.m. I wrote it down. <laughs> um, I've been meditating on what to speak on since... Thursday when Jamie kindly shared with me the news that I would be speaking tonight. <laughs> I don't check that roster. <laughs> Oops, I should learn to do that more. It is partly my fault. Anyways, as I was praying during those three days, um, I felt strongly that I needed to share on faith tonight. And so this morning the Lord said, I want you to title it Practical Outworking of Faith. Now this morning, um, Jamie shared on spiritual gifts, which is really, it was really good. Um, he did extremely well. I'm so not bragging. Um, his shirt was dirty though, so that kind of distracted me from <laughs> the message. Um, but he shared really well and... In it, he spoke about spiritual gifts, and one of them that stood out was faith. Now, I'm not going to speak about the spiritual gift of faith. I'm speaking about faith in general. Okay, so um, I looked up the meaning of faith and the, the Google meaning. <laughs> um, actually, no, I've got three meanings. The first one I got from the back of my old faithful trusty NIV Bible that said, faith is the complete belief and trust in God, knowing that God is real even though one can't see him. And then Google says, of course Google says it like this, strong belief, faith is strong belief in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual conviction rather than proof. Now I really liked that last bit, spiritual conviction, because we all know that we grow through the Spirit speaking to us, through Jesus telling us, oh, hey, that's not quite right, you know, do it this way. And that's our conviction and it's our own experiences that drive our faith and our relationship with Jesus because you can't have someone standing at you and saying, you don't have faith, your experiences are yuck because who knows if you've experienced it or not. But nobody can actually tell you that you have or haven't experienced something. So it's all personal spiritual conviction. I don't know if that made sense to you guys. Probably not. Um, but Hebrews. Hebrews has a really amazing definition um, in the New Testament. So I'm going to read how Paul describes faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, um, verse 1, he says... Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I think that's pretty bang on. Now, faith, like Jamie shared this morning, faith is actually 
I like to describe it as a muscle. Yeah, I don't have many, but my faith one is strong, but you can't see it. So we'll just pretend I've got guns in the spirit realm. <laughs> so Jamie touched on this morning that faith is a muscle. And the more you exercise it, the stronger it becomes. Yeah? Because that's how you strengthen muscles. Like we strengthen our tongue muscles by talking too much. Those muscles are probably not the best ones to have. You know? Um, James talks a lot about that, actually. Um, but, yeah, like muscles are... Essential. <laughs> I thought about some like metaphors of of faith, and one that I got in my head, which probably wasn't a really good one to share, but is like an elastic band. Now, in saying this, it's kind of opposite to what you think it would be. You know how uh, well, us girls, I've got really thick, long hair. And when we use, when I use elastic bands, they stretch and they warp and they don't go back into the same shape, but they enlarge, like they largen. So that's how I see faith, though it's kind of probably not a good description of faith because then I throw those hair ties out because they're no use to me anymore. But it's the opposite in our hearts. Uh, muscles are living things. Now, they need to be fed they need, well, our muscles need to be fed blood and oxygen in order to be able to handle the strengthening. And Paul describes in Timothy that faith is a living thin thing, thing, not thin. I'm going to spend a lot of time in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy tonight. So if you have your Bibles, feel free to open up to them. And I'll just read how Paul describes it um, in Second Timothy chapter one, verse five. He says, "I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives within you also." So, in him saying, "Live," and lives. That to me makes it stand out that Paul is describing faith as a living, breathing thing, organ, whatever you'd like to call it. And as a living thing, our faith must be fed and it must be nurtured and it must be worked in order to grow. Now, I'm going to touch on a few practical ways that we can do this this evening. Really easy ways hopefully they stick around in your mind and in your heart um but this is something that I'm very passionate about I really I've really grown in this a lot so this is what's on my heart okay so three ways of outworking or developing your faith number one is pursue faith intentionally pursue faith in order to work and grow it Pursue to chase after. Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty-two says, "Flee the evil desires of youth, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call out on the Lord out of a pure heart." Faith. 
with others that have intimate relationships with Jesus. So you're all understanding what we're all doing. That's why we have church in a body so that we can walk and grow together and encourage one another. Pursuing faith to me, as I was thinking about this, what does pursuing faith intentionally look like? And to me, that means listening to testimonies of others that have gone before us. How powerful are testimonies? I have had so much breakthrough and growth in my life from listening to other people's testimonies because once upon a time I was in my own little bubble and I'm like nobody understands what I was what I'm going through nobody gets it yada 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 poor me poor me this is so false because there's actually quite a few people around that go through similar things that we do we all go through Not everyone goes through the same things, but you can find people that go through similar experiences and learn from their mistakes. This is something that I didn't do very well when I was a teenager. I hope our youth kids learn from my mistakes so they don't make mine. That's the idea. Um, But listening to other people's messages of breakthrough And victory often causes our own faith to strengthen. The psalmist in Psalm 119 verse 99 wrote, I have more understanding than all of my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. And I looked up the message version. (laughs) And he wrote, pondered and absorbed your testimonies. So that means taking it on board and working it through in your own spirit and being like, okay, this happened to this person. Why can't this happen to me? What's stopping me from finding breakthrough like this other person did in a similar situation? That's what I take from pondered and absorbed. And I wouldn't be saying this unless I haven't personally walked this walk. I grew up in a Christian home. I gave my life to the Lord when I was six years old, got filled with the Holy Spirit when I was eight. And it was all well and good, but Jesus wasn't overly real to me. I had a few experiences, you know, when you're overly emotional as a teenager and you start crying at a random conference, but then you come back and you're like, you forget it within the first day of coming home. So relationship with Jesus wasn't an overly real thing to me. And so when I was 17, the ways of the world were just too tempting. And so I walked straight away from Jesus and into the world with all my friends who I thought would guide me well and teach and show me the ways and I would have fun and find something that was missing from my life. And I didn't find anything. All I found was heartache and pain and suffering and all these emotions that I just couldn't bear to carry. And I remember feeling like, oh, I bet you no other Christians do this because there was one other girl in my year at school who went to the same church and she looked like she had such perfect life and she's never swayed from the church and walked through it all like she's still in it now. She moved away. And so I compared myself to her and I was like, all right, well, if she can walk that walk, what's, 
why have I walked away? That must mean I'm different, that nobody has experienced the same thing as me, which is a full, full lie. But I met this girl who had a very, very similar testimony and upbringing and experiences like spiritual experiences to me, also on the opposite end of the spiritual and the bad spiritual experiences. And her testimony so encouraged me and I... I could actually feel my faith increase once listening to that. Like I'm a very seeing, feeling, hearing kind of person. Um, And so I can feel these things a little bit differently. Um, And so I could actually, I could feel it physically like in the spirit um, increase. And okay, so this is going to be a really random example, um, but... I'm going to just share a guilty pleasure from when I was in high school. Did anybody ever read Twilight? (laughs) Well, I did. (laughs) Okay. Embarrassingly enough. And in the fourth book, Bella (laughs) becomes a vampire, yada, yada, and she expressed some powers before she became a vampire when she was just a human that manifested greatly, like more, manifested greater when she became a vampire. And one of these was being a shield. And how she learned to grow her gift was she physically pushed it out from herself, but nobody could see it except for her. I kind of take faith like that. It's like something that you can gauge and you can see and feel and you've got control over. No one else can, but you can exert it as much as you want or draw it back in if you want. Like you've got full control over this amazing thing called faith and you can choose what you do with it like Bella did with her little shield powers it's probably not a really good example um but I it resounds to me it makes sense to me so I just want to implore you guys to think of faith as a muscle to exercise and to throw out and to practice stretching it like an elastic band for your hair Okay, so that's point number one, pursue faith, pursue. Number two is persevere in faith. Now, oh, we all have really, really hard, hard roads to walk sometimes and it's super, super difficult to hold on to your faith when you can't see the end result or um, things are just getting so overwhelmingly huge you feel like you're suffocating kind of like what Angus was sharing about before with being so busy sometimes you get so busy or like so inundated with emotions or depression or any kind of things that try to weigh you down that you feel like you can't walk in that faith and you just get smashed by that circumstance that you're in and you can't see past it Paul speaks about this in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He says in verse 18, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. And then he talks about it again in the same book, but chapter 6. So 1 Timothy chapter 6. 
verse 12. He says again, oh, well, it carries on from the pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love and endurance. Actually, no, sorry, it doesn't carry on. He mentions that again in First Timothy. Paul really must want us to take this in because he's talked about it twice now. Fight the good fight of faith and take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So he talks about fighting the good fight and taking hold of faith twice in one book. That must mean there's something to it, you would think. Fight the good fight and hold on. Persevere in faith. I've written another note here that says James chapter 1, verse 12. So let's go there. Okay. Oh, yes. James chapter 1, verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So there's a promise right there. If you persevere in your trials, you fight the good fight and you don't give up, you will be blessed. How awesome is that? God is good. Many people, and I am so guilty of this, let, we let our circumstances get the better of us. Instead of digging our heels and fighting on, we run away or we hide. Um, I have definitely had my fair share of these circumstances. But I have consciously consciously walked into a state of depression. And I, I remember the last time I did this, I was in it for about two weeks. And I knew that I was in that state. And I knew I could get myself out. And for the two weeks, I was like, I can't be bothered. I just can't be bothered. And I was drained. And everybody could tell because I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve. So this was a few years ago. But people were like, there's something not right with you, Hannah. And I had full control of my my state that I was in. I 100% will admit to that. But I chose to walk into that depressive state. And after about two weeks of just feeling dark and burdened and emotional and in such a horrible, horrible, dark little place, I was like, you know, I'm sick of this. I don't know why I've let myself in this. And I kind of snapped. And I cried out to Jesus and I was like, get me out of here. And I chose to hold on to the promises of God that he's spoken to me and push through that season Now, three years ago, when this was all happening, I had three major things happen in my life, two family things and one personal thing that happened each a month apart from each other, and it was horrific. But there was this one particular song that I was singing over myself during the entire season once I got out of my depressive state, called The Desert Song by Hillsong. And I just want to read the lyrics to that that song for the first two verses. It says, This is my prayer in the desert when all that's within me feels dry. 
This is my prayer in my hunger and need. My God is the God who provides. And this is my prayer in the fire, in weakness or trial or pain. There is a faith proved of more worth than gold. So refine me, Lord, through the flame. I was singing that over myself for that period of time and remembering, okay, I can get through this. The Lord can get me through this. He's brought me through seasons like this before. This was 10 times worse than I'd ever been through. But he's like, no, he's been faithful. He's brought me through. And I decided to get a cactus tattoo to remind myself of this song and of that season that I walked through. We have a visiting minister that often pops down from Hornsby, good old Ian Miller, who's amazing, such an evangelist, such a kook. And he likes to interpret tattoos, which is really just prophesying over somebody, but like with a different in. And in 2016, he was like, I want to interpret your cactus tattoo. I was like, okay. So I've written it down. I wrote it down. I always write down the prophetic words that I get so I can go through them later when I'm going through hard seasons and be like, okay, this is what the Lord said. This is what's going to get me through. Back to testimony sort of, but a personal one. And Ian interpreted it and he said, the crosses on the large cactus. I don't know if you can see, but there's like crosses on one of the cactuses. Um, says He said they represent stitches. He said there was three things in my life that broke me. Now, mind you, this season happened the year before And so this is April, the year after. And he said, there are three things in my life that broke me, but I am healed and Holy Spirit stitched me up. Though there are scars. Like Jesus' scars, they are beautiful. And through those scars, I am blooming. He said, people will see the things I've been through. And the ones who've experienced the same will ask why I'm not falling apart anymore. And I'll help them to become whole again. The tattoo represents the ability to bloom in the desert where everything is dry and broken. And the, there's a couple of other cacti in there. There's like, yeah, you can all ask to see it later if you like. And he said, and the other cacti in the tattoo represent the people who I will help through those issues. That relates back to the testimony point, yeah, where Because of my season that I walked through, I will in turn be able to help other people. Now, creepy thing is, not creepy, there is no coincidences in Jesus' name. Um, I had already walked through um, a hard season with a girl not long before this who went through similar things and was like, why are you not, like, how are you okay? And that was confirmation from the Lord through Ian that I was doing the right thing and that I was actually helping her heal through my testimony. So I just wanted to share that. That is point number two. Now point number three is a bit different. Um, It's called imparting faith. Now impartation, Paul speaks about it a lot actually in a lot of his letters. And it's a tool where one person carries a gift or a fruit of the spirit. There are always spiritual gifts, spiritual fruits. And another person 
desires that fruit in their life or wants wants it because the Lord says earnestly desire the spiritual gifts well Paul says and they ask for an impartation they ask for a part of it from that person now the person that carries that gift has the authority to lay hands in the name of Jesus pray and impart a part of their gift onto that person and then the other person receives it in faith. Does that make sense? Yep, cool. So that's impartation. And then by that person receiving that gift by faith, then nurtures it and grows it themselves and outworks it to other people and therefore can impart it to someone else. It's really cool how the Lord chooses to work through us. Second Timothy, back to 2 Tim. 2 Timothy verse 1. I don't know if I wrote that right. I feel like I didn't write that right. This is a bit awkward. Yeah, it says chapter 1. There is no verse. It might be. Oh, yes. (laughs) Sorry, guys. So I'll go back to, I wrote 3 to 7. It should be really 5 to 7. That's where I went wrong. So I'll go through verse 5 again where Paul speaks about Timothy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Verse 6 says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of discipline or of a sound mind. It's our responsibility. The Lord has given it this to us intentionally for us to do something about it. This is our responsibility to fan into flame, to seek out impartation, to ask the Lord for more. This is what he's given us to do. We can't sit around and whinge and say, oh, the Lord, God, please give me more. He's like, no, I gave you the tools for you to go and get it yourself. Show me how you want to be with me, show me your passion and go for it. And he rewards us when we do that. He loves us driving our own faith. This is what he has desired. Romans 1, 11 to 12 says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So at times it's not just a one-way thing from the person holding the gift to the person receiving. The person receiving can also encourage and strengthen the faith of the one imparting as they see them take that gift by faith that increases the faith. And it's kind of like a world, like a constant circle. I think that's pretty awesome. Now, I haven't researched this next 
little bit, 100%. So I'm just going to put a disclaimer. This is Hannah's opinion right here. Um, but from me reading what Paul said to Timothy about his mother and his grandmother, I feel like you can receive an impartation through birth. So like a generational gift, a measure of faith from your parents. Now, I don't want to discourage anybody that grew up in a non-Christian home because this is where you get to grow your own faith and bless your children. But some people grew up in Christian homes and have natural blessings coming down from generations like... I went to Bethel earlier this year for worship school and we were talking, they had some elders of the church up on the stage and we were talking about how many generations of their like family sewed into Bethel church and grew it and prayed and that's why it is where it is today because of the hard work and the generational blessings of the people that are in that church. I think Bill Johnson is like fifth generation in that church or something. I want to say between three and five, which is pretty awesome. But then America is a lot older than Australia. so. Now, God spoke about generational blessings, and I just want to back up my, my opinion um, in this, that... God spoke about generational blessings being a thing when he spoke about the Ten Commandments. Now, there's only one that's got like a punishment and a blessing if you do or do not follow this commandment. And it's the second one about you will not make yourself an idol. Now, he says, For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. That's pretty hectic. Who would want to curse their children for four generations and be the reason why they're in suffering and pain? It's not very nice. But in saying that, but I will show love to a thousand generations for those who love me and keep my commandments. It's like 10 times plus more blessings than curses on those who follow Jesus and who love God and do not break his, or will that love him and put him first in their lives. I think that's pretty awesome. So I'm, I feel like that backs up my generational blessings of faith and an increase, maybe. Don't hold me to it though. Do your own research. <laughs> now, as I spoke about before, There is a spiritual gift of faith in the motivational gifts that Jamie touched on this morning. Um, And those gifts, impartation strengthens those when it is passed on by Holy Spirit and then received in faith. But we'll touch on that another time. Um. Yes, so in in saying all of those points, I hope I make sense. I do get a bit lost sometimes. Um, in order to grow our faith, we must intentionally, now we've got to be intentional, we've got to intentionally feed, nurture and grow our faith. For it's 
God's he's put this responsibility on us. It's not him. We cannot blame him for this. But it's in our will, our own will and our desire. And as we grow our faith, it's so easy as we mature in it to naturally turn it on and just be like, okay, cool. I have faith that this is going to come through. So the more you use it, the stronger it gets, the more you can outwork it, the more faith you've got to see bigger and better things happen, like reaching out and praying for the sick to be healed or praying blessings over people or prophesying or doing all those amazing, wonderful things that we do in faith through Christ Jesus. I've walked this life and I... In the last couple of years, I've had massive amounts of victory over some huge battles that I myself have put my I've put myself through and the enemy has thrown in my face. But I feel like I've grown so much in faith that now when things come up, I have the faith that it's going to be okay no matter what. Like click of a finger, I'm like, I'm not worried. And people are like, why aren't you worried? Don't you have a plan in place? I'm like, no, 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 it'll work out. It'll be fine. The Lord's got it. And that's what we can be like. And I've still so much, so much more to go in increasing that faith. But it's such an easy thing to step into. You know, the only thing that gets in our way is our own heads. So tonight as I close and I finish up, I'm just going to pray. Lord Jesus, I pray for an increase in faith in everyone's lives tonight. And as they go about their week, Lord, I pray that you bring about opportunities for them to not worry, for them to know that you have it in control, Lord Jesus. I pray that you spark a desire in their lives for them to grow their faith, to outwork their faith intentionally, Lord Jesus so that we will not be plagued by anxiety or fear or doubt anymore, Lord. Because of the faith that we have in you, we know, we know that they have no hold in our lives. Lord Jesus, I pray for an increase in faith in our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen.